Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So excited to introduce Megan Rook, who probably needs no introduction to anyone here, but she is the founder of the Sculpt Society, for those who don't know, which is a fitness app that empowers women through movement to stand in their bodies with confidence and strength and to feel their best self. And I can attest that it really does make you feel your best self and is the best workout. She also has the best pregnancy prenatal series um, week by week. And not only is it so great for women, but my husband does it, which says a lot because my (laughs) husband does not do any other workouts. He's really into the six minute abs because it's super efficient. Um, But with that, welcome, Megan. We're so excited to have you. you. What an introduction. Thank you so much. (laughs) So the question we always start with is what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success and if they're intertwined at all? Yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to think about this. (laughs) I think um, we briefly talked about how this has like evolved over time and For me, my definition of fulfillment right now is like really being able to live in the present moment and not future trip or think about the past and just feel really content and grounded and fulfilled now. And I think what was this? My pregnancy brain was this good part. And it wasn't. Oh, Megan is also pregnant. Sorry. Yes. And a little sick. So Um, uh, what is your definition of success and if they're intertwined at all? Oh, yeah. And I think for me, success is being able to feel very, completely intertwined. They're almost the same thing for me right now. So being present. Yeah. Just feeling really fulfilled in the moment. I think my brain works so much ahead of time. How can I continue to grow as a business, as a human? How can I do more, 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 more all the time? And I think I've just gotten to a place in my life where I just want to feel really present and fulfilled right now Mm -hmm. and not need more in my life. So does it relate at all to money at all or or any of the traditional success that we're society has told us. I think it's all wrapped into that. I think it's financial freedom and financial success. I think it's the growth of my business. I think it's social media. I think for me, so much of what I'm doing is around 
the Sculpt Society, social media, and 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 my business. That's, that's most of my thoughts are, are around that. And I think how can I get a little bit more grounded in my day to day and like the minutia of picking up my coffee in the morning and drinking it and loving it and playing with my daughter and and not being on my phone and just things like that that I just, you know, I'm striving to to feel a little bit more of. Yeah. What do you think is like your biggest distraction, at least recently, to feeling fulfilled every day? I think I don't know if it's recently. I think in general, it's it's just this like constant thought of the future and what I could be doing more of or yeah. better in, or I'm not worthy if I'm not doing or growing. That's... These are things I'm working on in therapy. <laughs> but it's so much a part of pregnancy to like lean into being. And mm. I think that's something that society tells us we always have to be in our doing, especially we've all lived in New York and mm-hmm. have been on that hamster wheel and doing equals productive and yes. successful yes. and it's glorified, but really being in our feminine too. And just like just sitting and being mm. and enjoying and relinquishing in the moment, like what you're saying is your definition of fulfillment is really underrated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I could go back even further. I think my parents immigrated to this country and I think my dad started from scratch. He started his own business. And so, so much of what I grew up with was seeing my dad be a workaholic and work around the clock. And sort of the feedback I got growing up was when I was being successful in academics or within dance, like that was the like love I was shown. And so I think some of that of my worthiness is really built around what I am being successful, what I am doing and what I am achieving. And so that is something I'm really now having to break down like those, those stories that I have within myself and belief systems I have within myself to really know that like, I don't need to do anything to be enough. Like that's the icing on the cake is what I'm doing. Right. But being here right now is, is enough and I'm worthy of feeling that. That's so. I mean, I completely relate to that. Like my same thing, my parents are immigrants. I know Annabelle relates as well. And it's so obviously like unintentional, right? For them, it's not, you know, but it's ultimately you've been conditioned to believe like if I'm not doing, am I worthy? Am I loved? And that's something I'm currently working on too. I mean, I feel like it's so normal. And even people, ironically, who are not from Mm -hmm. that culture or like immigrant parents, I do think that that's sort of our culture as a whole. And I think it might be social media. I'm not sure where it's like busy is sexy. Yes. Like yes. labels are glorified. Yes. And I think that's also just even pre that preexisted social media, of course, but like that definitely is something I think we all need to work to just dismantle. I mean, gosh, even until recently, right? It was like, I, I built the school study on my own. The accolades I got for, for having a small team and I was drowning and I shouldn't have had a small team, but it was like, oh my gosh, look at you. You're doing it all on your own. And that felt sexy, mm-hmm. but it wasn't sexy. I was not surviving and I should have brought on more people to build out the t- my team and my support system years ago. And so that's even now, like that's things, those are things I'm working through that we don't have to do it all and like pretend, right, that we have it all together and- I don't know, there's a lot yeah, there it's that okay. we can I, I agree. I think, I mean, I, I actually have a really, really good friend named Nina who she just actually had her second child as well. 
And she was someone even like, she also, you know, lived in New York was like, she admitted to me, she's like, you know, after having my first kid, I realized like, it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they say it takes a village for a reason. Like we need support. And I think it's a huge fallacy, even in terms of like romantic relationships. Like we put a lot on this idea of like, your partner should be everything. Mm -hmm. And like, you should be able to do everything on your own. And we look down upon people asking for help. But the truth is like, community is so important. And it's like a natural human need. And it's so funny that we've just created this like really silly way of living. And, you know, we applaud people for that. Like you can yeah, do it all. Like the hustle culture of it all. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, working seven days a week, burnout. Like, I mean, I could go on and on. I think we definitely look down on, I, like, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about this in real time. Like, I think there is a little bit of like scoffing at people who hire the night nurse or mm -hmm. like, you know, do this or do that. But, yeah. you know, it's such a shame. Like, why? Yeah. I mean, talk about an eye-opening experience just becoming a mom. And even I'm from social media, people are constantly asking me how I'm doing it all. I'm like, do you think I watch my child full-time, run a business, <laughs> run my social media all by myself? Like, that is the most bizarre thing. And you would never ask a man if he did that either. Like, of course we have help. Like, I would not be able to do what I do. And so, like, I mean, the mom shame around asking for help is so bizarre to me. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty open on social that we have full-time help, but, like, I also work full-time. Like, how do you think this is happening? Yeah. You know, I, I can't stack blocks and take my Zoom call. And it's better to be <laughs> honest about that yeah. because I think this idea that, like, you're doing it all and you're doing it alone yeah. is selling the wrong dream, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's not realistic. It's not true. Yeah, yeah and I, I heard a podcast that you were on and you mentioned that with Harlow, like, you really were doing it all. Like, even after she was born, you barely took a maternity oh, leave. so right? dumb. We literally got home in the hospital. The next day, we had a team call on, like, the Monday my husband and I, and like, I'm like trying to nurse my, my newborn, like two days, two days old. <laughs> and it was so ridiculous. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, I don't need a maternity leave. I'll be fine. Yeah, you do. You need time off to emotionally reset. Like what just happened? Trauma did that just happen to your body? understanding this new role that you've now shifted into and like really allowing that to sink in. And my autopilot mode is really to like push things down and like move forward and get on with it. And, you know, that unfortunately is just not, it's, it, it's not how things work and you really do need the time to figure that out for yourself. So are you going to do things differently with oh, this yeah, next I'm one? Taking time off. You're taking time off. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've learned the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we forget that like your health is the health of your business partner, who's also your husband. So it's the health of your relationship, which is yeah. the health of your family, which is the health of your kids, which is yeah. the health of your who you employ. Like, yeah. I think we forget it's a domino effect. So yeah. by being a martyr, you're not helping the world. Yeah. You're actually hurting it because you're you end up being like more angry, more upset, less sleep, like all of those things affect you. Yeah. I think we all forget that. That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a pusher when it comes to like all things like this. Like I just push and work. Like In my mind, it's like, I'm going to work harder and I will do better. And it really, it's like retraining my brain to know that like, actually, no, I can rest and, 
and get more creative that way. And like, it doesn't have to always be a go, go, go for, for things to grow. I think that's such an interesting thing. Cause you're also in the industry of working out, which is yeah. like such a complex, mm-hmm. we, I'd obviously, we'd love to get into this, like the relationship between us and food, like humans mm-hmm. and food, mm-hmm. humans and working out, mm-hmm. like, right. Even I trained this morning and my trainer was like, well, are you the type that you can't even get yourself out the door mm-hmm. to go on a run? Or like, like which phase are you at? Because it's a lot of it's mental too. Oh, it's so mental. And to it, get started, it's so mental. To get started, yeah. it's so mental. And like the reasons you're doing it, yes. your intention behind it. I think yes. it's like such a fascinating topic to open up with you because it's so... Yeah. I mean, I come from the world of like in my early 20s, having a terrible relationship with my body and with food and over-exercising, yo-yo dieting, binge eating. I would spend hours at the gym. I mean, I was like the two plus hour a day girl. Wow. Um, and it was horrible. What do you it. think that came from? I think a lack of knowledge of, of what I need, uh, not what I needed to do, but what I thought I, I should be doing in the gym. And then also just like the fight or flight of like, right. Um, restriction to binge and same with the gym, right. It was like all or nothing. Like if I was there, I was going to do an hour of cardio and an hour of, I mean, I don't even know what I was doing. Which is <laughs> also like, the industry that you were in, right. Being a dancer. Yeah. Yeah. But it was self-inflicted. I think, I mean, gosh, another story, I mean, another podcast for another day, but like, I think where this all started from was in high school, my senior year, I was deciding whether I was going to pursue dance in college or go like the more traditional route. And I ended up going the more traditional route went to a state school for my freshman year and and it was the wrong decision. And instead of dealing with those emotions of like realizing it was the wrong decision, my coping mechanism was to control what I could. And that was exercise and food. And I I really developed this obsession around it. And, it re- and honestly, it came out of nowhere. And it just became this never ending cycle for me. And I always say this, it could be sex, drugs, whatever your like drug of choice. My drug of choice was just the control of food and exercise, but it was really dark. It was really dark. And I got home from my freshman year and I I talked to my mom and I was like, this isn't me. I know this is unhealthy. I can't feel like I'm trapped in this never ending cycle. 99.9% of my thoughts are going to food and exercise and hating myself. Mm. And I need to figure out what's wrong. And so I went to a therapist long story short, she was like in the first session, she was like, oh, honey, like (laughs) you're not pursuing dance. Like you're coping by numbing yourself with food and exercise. Like you need like to take a moment and realize like, this is the path that you probably should be taking. Cut to me transferring to NYU. I ended up going to New York for 15 years, dancing professionally. But unfortunately I took those behaviors from my freshman year in high school and college into my 20s. And it really took me a long time to really unlearn all the things I had been doing. And I should have been in therapy that whole time. I would have recovered so much faster. But I don't know how this conversation, how did we get here? (laughs) I really loved where we were going. Um, I think that's cut to me being, you know, those were the behaviors of, I don't think it was necessarily the dance world. I think it was me taking food and my body and, and exercise and using that as a numbing tool. And so it cut to me being, you know, 23 at crunch gym on a treadmill waiting for me to hit X amount of calories I had burned, you know? Right. Were you just being extremely hard on yourself? It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I was at that time pursuing what I wanted to, and I was like tapping into like, okay, I'd finally 
my freshman year of college, I wasn't doing what I loved to do, but now I was finally in that path. I unfortunately those those behaviors just unless you can like really work through them, carry through. And so it was unfortunate, but it also led to the next chapter of my life, which was really doing a lot of self-work. Um, I read a book called Woman, Food, and God, which is amazing. And it really taught me about intuitive eating and learning that. And then also finding a movement practice that felt joyful and fun, which was dance-based fitness. So while I was dancing professionally in New York, I fell into fitness as like a side hustle to make money. Never thought it would be anything other than that. And it was the perfect timing for me because I'd been doing all this self-work on intuitive eating and really just figuring out like my behavior around food and my body, as well as like the missing puzzle piece, which for me was that movement practice that felt so good. And so it was such a powerful moment because it really led me to this next phase of, oh my gosh, I can share with other women how amazing a movement practice can be and how life-changing it, it can be for your body confidence and your self-love and everything. Because every woman has been on like this journey in some, some, course, you know, 100%. range, right? Like we've all like, whether it's been extreme like mine or, you know, you're just having a bad day. But I think um, getting to share what I had been through in a movement practice was life-changing because then I saw, oh my gosh, maybe I don't want to dance professionally forever. I think a career in fitness is actually where I want to be. And so the next chapter in evolution. So you think came. a part of that was more like the intention of helping other women and Oh my gosh. People. I I again I went into teaching fitness for purely the paycheck. And the just power of being able to connect with women in such a vulnerable state because the gym is vulnerable. So vulnerable. <laughs> and getting to see women women's lives affected by the energy that I could omit in that class and see their confidence start to build over the weeks and the days because you would see them every day. That, yeah, that was really powerful for me. I mean, it's so, it's such a comp. We've had Shireen Idris on our podcast, who's an incredible dermatologist in New York and she, similar but different, like we talked a lot about you know, you're faced when someone comes in and says like, I hate my nose or like, yeah. I feel old or this or that. Like it's similar. It's very vulnerable. You're facing people's insecurities like head on and you have this huge opportunity to influence how they look at themselves in the mirror and like how they, like I even know for myself, if I work out every day, like I'm on a workout streak right now, but if I work out every day for a month, even if I don't look different, I move through the world differently. A thousand percent. But it's also the type of workout that you're doing because it's what's something that you enjoy, oh. right? You're not forcing yourself to go to the gym and, and hit a certain amount of calories on a treadmill. Like I used to force myself to go to the gym and run and I hated running, but I used to make myself go to Barry's boot camp and sweat mm -hmm. because I thought sweat equals good for my body, equals lose weight, equals me looking good in a bikini and I'm going on vacation. But like now I do Megan's workout and it's just like, I just needed that 12 minutes or whatever it was. And I feel great. I can move about my day. So lovely. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, again, it's like, how do you, and I think you've done a great job of like changing this fallacy that women need to spend hours in the gym, slaving away on workouts that they actually hate. Yeah. To and change there's their body. one standard of beauty to begin with. Yeah. Well, and it's also just like, gosh, fitness is so powerful in so many different facets. Like, just like you said, right. It's, it, it can, for me, 
it's also a mental health oh, tool. Yeah, like, so like if we can change the conversation around fitness being just for your physical and like if, Absolutely. you know, if we can start to look at it as a literally just doing 10 minutes, how energetically you said, right. And I always talk about this, how it can shift, how we feel grounded in our bodies. We feel out of our head. We feel just so much better. And you move through the day differently. And to me, that is such the power of fitness, right? You moving confidently into your Zoom call, into your your conversations with your partner, into your relationships with your friends and family, like that is the true power of fitness to me. Of course. And so, yeah, it is getting people to reframe what commitment to a movement practice needs to look like, because I would so much rather my clients I talk about this all the time, but commit to less so they can show up more. Mm-hmm. It's a huge mantra of mine because if they can commit consistently for 10 minutes a day, five days a week, I would so much rather them do that than one hour long workout a week or one hour long workout a month, right? Because that is so much easier talking about a mindset, right? It's just getting started. Most of us, just getting started is the hardest part. Even for me, I have to self motivate all the time. And sometimes it's literally just convincing myself, okay, you're just going to do a 10 minute video. Mm-hmm. And it's like getting started and getting your body going. And then it feels good. And I end up stacking like two more videos. <laughs> like, it's you know? funny because have you, I don't know if you've ever, have either of you read Atomic Habits? Yeah. I haven't, but I, I mean, it's on the so list. So it's like, funny because he actually talks about how a lot of this is about identity. So like if I identify as someone who is fit and works out and loves working out, et cetera, like I could start with literally, he's like, you can start with two minutes a day. And if you just get to the gym and work out for two minutes a day, the likelihood is you'll probably do more, but like you'll end up stacking, but it's a way to build a habit as an identity. So Mm -hmm. like I'm someone, and I think like the mental health thing more than like the actual endorphins, I think for me, it's really about like, it's become a lot about like, I take care of myself. I'm someone who respects my body in this way, like more than what I look like or I mean, it obviously gives you a load of energy, et cetera. And like, you know, it's for all these things, but I think there's this really beautiful, like, it's like, I'm following through on a commitment to myself, like almost building trust with myself. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Also just, I'm sure you see this more and more as I've gotten older, I'm like, wow, eating disorders Mm -hmm. and toxic relationships with food, myself included, that is across cultures. Oh yeah. That is global. Yeah. Like, it does not matter where you go. People are talking about weight. Like, I'm Iranian. If I walk in, like, they're like, oh, you gained weight. Oh, you lost weight. Mm -hmm. And there's always this, it's such a wild thing. Like, we have just this really intense relationship with our bodies and food, which, you know, we discussed this earlier that I would love to talk about. I've never been pregnant, but like, I've watched a lot of my friends struggle with gaining weight during pregnancy. And I have no comment because I have not been pregnant yet. So I don't know what that journey is like, but this whole idea of like not recognizing yourself and again, identity and feeling comfortable in your body. It's definitely an identity thing. I remember when I found out I was pregnant and saw my body change, like it was so hard for me to let go of the girl who looked like this in the mirror and weighed so-and-so pounds and just but how I looked in the mirror, like I had this like image of me in the mirror and then it was so different. And I think it's also hard, like before you like really pop too, because Mm -hmm. like 
no one really knows you're pregnant. It's like more of a bloated. It's more of like an internal feeling. And people would always be like, oh, you don't even look pregnant. And I'm just like, shut up. Like, (laughs) it's like so frustrating to keep hearing that because I identified it with my body so much. That comment to me was like just so hurtful because my body is changed so much and I could really feel it. And I had to, it was like the identity was being ripped away from me and no one was noticing except for me. Mm. Um, And that felt like really challenging. So I would love to hear your perspective on it. I think it's like very lonely and isolating. I mean, that first trimester too, before you're like telling people, that's a real mental, because, you know, you are, you do really feel the difference and yet no one can tell. And yet you can tell all the changes that are happening. I think for me, I mean, gosh, my first with Harlow, I really didn't enjoy it. And I really wanted to go into the second pregnancy. My intention was to just enjoy and to embrace it and to know, right? Like I, I've been through it before. I think the first time you go through it, there's just so much anxiety over like the unknown of like, you know, post baby, will I feel the same or can I, will I physically be able to get back to feeling like my old self, right? And I even hate saying my old self, right? Because you will forever be changed. But I think my intention going into the second pregnancy was just to embrace it because I know post Harlow, I was was able to feel somewhat like myself again. and, And I know that that's possible, but I don't know if it's just the mix of hormones or the intense body changes or maybe I'm just one of those women who really just doesn't enjoy being pregnant. And I also am coming to a point now where the more I talk about it, and it was the same with Harlow. I talked pretty openly about not enjoying pregnancy. The more women came out and said, you know, shared stories with me and said how refreshing it was that I wasn't enjoying it because they weren't enjoying it. And I think, I don't know why we do this as a society, but it's this expectation on women to really love being pregnant. And listen, if you love being pregnant, like, I am so happy for you. (laughs) I really wish I could be one of those people, but I don't know why as a society we feel like that's the standard that we need to love it and that you cannot enjoy pregnancy, but be so happy and grateful to be pregnant, right? And And be a wonderful mother regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, there was also so much shame in feeling that way because I know I have so many friends and I have family members who have struggled with pregnancy loss and infertility and, and all of that. And so I know it's also a very sensitive subject because you throw that in there as well, right? And so there's some something about like, if you're not enjoying pregnancy, you're not thankful or grateful to be pregnant. And so that can feel like a hard discussion to have and be open with because so many people are struggling to get pregnant. Yeah, well, just generally about anything to do with pregnancy or motherhood, there's so much shame around it. Like it's the same thing about like breastfeeding or not breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or like choosing to go to this school or not this school or like what you do with the baby. Like, you know, like if you have the night nurse or you have a nanny full time and you're out of the house more often, like I just find like I'm starting to notice so many people's opinions just like infiltrating into my head and my world. And like, sometimes it's so easy to get swayed by everything, all this noise, right? And a lot of it is like fake noise, right? It's like fake when people go Mm -hmm. on social media sometimes and like just exude this like, oh, everything's amazing and I'm pregnant and my baby. It's like, 
we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So the more I consume that, the shittier I feel about myself. And I think the only thing that solves that is just tapping into your intuition more and just blocking out all the noise. And each time I find myself, you know, always asking for people's opinions or like texting friends, like which onesie do I get? Or like, which, <laughs> which like diaper, or, like which, um, what's it called? Like car seat. It's like, there's not that many to choose from. Just choose one. They're all going to be fine. Your baby's going to be yeah. safe. Yeah. Like it's totally fine. But I start doubting. I have all these like doubts because it's such a new experience. But in the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I have to just like start tapping into my intuition because I know that motherhood is just going to be that times a thousand with everyone's like yeah. opinions. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think with, honestly, with a lot of especially pregnancy, especially having kids, but I think in general, and I think especially more so for women, there's just a lot of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like you're always going to offend someone or someone's always going to have a judgment or opinion. And I think we all have to just be better at being like, first of all, I'm going to do what's best for me. Like this kind of circles back earlier. Like for someone, maybe they're like, it makes me feel really good to not have any help. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. But like doing what's best for you, like is Absolutely. what's most important. And I think this whole idea of doing what's best in life, which is a lot of what we talk about on our podcast is who said that's best because what's best is what's going to allow you to show up as your full self. Yeah. So to be the best mom. Yeah. To be the best mom, to get to work out every day. Maybe someone only needs 15 minutes a day, you know, yeah. like so long as that's their best, I think we need to all like kind of reframe and also be okay making mistakes. That's what Dr. Idris also said. She was like, I made a ton of mistakes. It's okay. Yeah. You learn from it. Totally. Yeah. I don't believe in the whole notion of failure. I think there it's all just growth. So given like what you've been through, you know, especially as it relates to body image and food restriction and just all of that, and having a girl. Is this one the girl too? Yeah. Two okay. Girls. So two girls. Yeah. How do you think about fostering kind mm-hmm. of this like groundedness, mm-hmm. stability, like love to their bodies? Because to be completely vulnerable here, and I don't know if I've shared this before, but when I found out I was having a daughter, because I was convinced it was a boy, I was like very like, I wasn't like thrilled at the beginning because I was like, oh my God, a lot of my issues that I've struggled with, like body image, like self-worth, all of those things are very targeted to the feminine, right? To being a girl. A lot more girls have those issues or at least talk about those issues than men. Um, So when I found out I was having a daughter, I was like, oh my God, is she going to have all of these issues? And so I'm curious to see like your perspective on how you raise daughters from that lens? I've thought about it a lot. I don't know. I definitely don't have all the answers, but I, you know, I also grew up with a mom who I never saw her talk badly about her body, never saw her on a diet. If anything, like my dad was always like on a diet. My mom was like, you know, she would have like dessert for breakfast. Like she just, she was like, this is who I am. And I, I, I'm so grateful for her for that. But I think. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is in my control is to set, you know, a healthy example for her and really instill that confidence in herself, in her body from a young age. I don't know that I have all the answers. I think it's just I will learn as I go. But I am I feel you on that having two daughters and have in the past gone through that. I don't want that for them. And it is going to be so important to both my husband and I that they don't experience any of that at home as well. Like we we make a conscious effort about like even just eating with Harlow and like not saying foods are good or bad or just small things like that. Like nothing's off limits that like we we everything and that there's, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Yeah. It's really difficult. And they even say there is a TED talk. I have to find it. I have not been able to in a while, but I know for a fact there is a TED talk that talks about a study where they did like a blind research group. Half the group got a smoothie that was healthy and half the group got a smoothie that was unhealthy mm. and they were exactly the same. Mm. But the group that thought it was unhealthy and perceived it to be bad for you gained weight. Wow. And wow. so it was like a lot of it is mental. I'm not discounting that obviously there are foods yeah, that yeah. are better for you than foods that aren't, but a lot of it is mental. And I've definitely struggled with that myself where sometimes I'm like, like I have Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disorder. And like, that was a whole thing. And I've been up and down and now I'm finally like, seeing a great endocrinologist and it took a while to get everything in order. But, you know, I had gained some weight and for me, I felt different. And then, especially during COVID. And then finally, as I started to lose weight again, I was nervous. I'd be like, if I have a breakfast burrito, am Mm. I going to completely, is everything going to, is all my hard work going to go away? And I think like this perception around food and just around the like energy around it is so important and really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what food freedom for me has really come from intuitive eating. And so if I can teach my daughters anything, it's really that. And that, you know, coming from such restriction to binging, to labeling, to I've been on like every diet you can possibly think of, to now just really experiencing what food freedom is and like eating something and not experiencing any shame around it, just enjoying it and moving on with my day. Whereas in my early 20s, I would sit and think about that bag of chips I ate and like scheduling when I could go on a run to burn those cal. I mean, I think about that now and I'm like, oh my gosh, the waste of time and energy. So yeah, I mean, I think being able to experience food now, being on the other side of it and just how good it feels and just being able to share that with my daughters I think we'll hopefully give them the tools to be able to handle what I'm sure they'll see, you know, a lot of what we experience comes from school and their friends. And so that makes me nervous because that, you know, I, I don't know I have a lot of control over that. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing is you can't control it. No. Can't control. You can only do your best. Yeah. I wanted to also touch on, so I know that Morgan, your husband is now also like working with you, like as your business partner, it wasn't always the case. I think you made that shift during COVID time. and 
one of the biggest pieces of advice I always got from people, and I'll probably get like shame also for saying this, but that, you know, when you have a child, it's still important that you put your husband first and mm. your relationship first and spend time with them, qual- like quality time with them. Um, even if that means you're away from your kids, because like, that's the foundation that you like can't break and your kid sees everything that you do. So if you end up by like, bickering and all that and coming from a place because you haven't spent any intimate time together, you know, they can also sense that. So how do you manage being a mother, a powerhouse, like founder, doing all these workouts, and then also having time for you and Morgan when he's so involved in the business? Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about just making sure this conversation is super transparent because I think a lot of people think it looks like I have it all together. (laughs) And I think like most people, it's, you know, I'm a hot mess most of the time. I am running with my head cut off. Like I'm working seven days a week. It's a lot. It's not perfect. And I think at the end of the day, Morgan and I prioritize our, our relationship, but we're also trying to figure it out, right? Like we work from home, we work together and we have an almost two-year-old. And, and so a baby it's, on the way. And a baby on the way. So I think what's been hard for us since we started working together is when do we reconnect as husband and wife versus Morgan as my COO and like work life and talking about business? Because I also really love my business. I love what I do and I could talk about it all day long. Mm-hmm. And so could he. He's like learning new things too and we're discussing and that's fun. But I think making time to connect and have a date night and be playful together and, you know, that takes work and takes effort. And some weeks we're really good at it and some weeks we're not. And, you know, I think it's just figuring it out as we go. I also, you know, I think I've talked to other parents or like I'm at a stage of life where I'm going to have young children for the next couple of years. And those couple of years are, are hard on a marriage as far as like, making time to connect, right? Like it's just pure chaos. And then you add in owning a business together. It's it's just a lot. So I think Morgan and I know too, like the first five years of having like these kids, it's going to be a little crazy. But yeah, I'm also just struggling. I'm struggling to find the balance even for myself. Like when does Megan, I was you know talking with my therapist. She's like, so what, is, what are your hobbies? I'm like, hobbies? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I don't, She's yeah. like, do you do anything else besides like your? I'm like, no. Like, she's like, do you like play? I don't know. Like, talking about like different sports, and I was like, no. Like, I don't. So I think that's like I need to also retap into myself and like, what is adult Megan like to do? Like, does she? I mean, I haven't been out to dinner with girlfriends, and I can't even remember. You um, know, like, I also need to make time and effort for myself. I say all this. I'm also in a startup beginning stages of a business. And that's also kind of the trade-off, which is not the glamorous side of owning your own business and being an entrepreneur. I think, you know, you can't have it all, especially in those first few years of owning a business. Yeah. And as a society, we always glorify having it all. Yeah. Well, because I think it's just the nature of Instagram or whatever, but it's like, you can own a business and you do in some sense have it all, but it's like From if you outside, get an accolade, right? You get an accolade, you post on Instagram, you're not posting like, hey, you know, I'm actually really miserable today. Yeah. It's like the sacrifices of, yeah. of like what that takes to get there, I think. And that's hard too, because I also, I always want to make sure my Instagram feels real and like I'm showing the good and the bad, but I definitely censor myself on some bad days where I, 
I mean, I'm not going to get on every day and be like, hey, (laughs) I've been in Zoom calls for the last 12 hours. I'm miserable. I haven't. Right. You know, that's not fun to watch either. But I do think (laughs) you should sprinkle. I do try and sprinkle it in every once in a while just to show people that it's not all like rosy and sunshine. Do you find, though, like your vulnerable posts get more love sometimes, actually, and more attention? For sure. It's like people crave this. I think people are craving it. Like we kind of mentioned that before. I I think, yeah, like. Well, this is the perfect segue into what we wanted to talk about, which is vulnerability and fake vulnerability, (laughs) which for context, Annabelle and I are both seeing a coach named Cynthia and she's life-changing, but she, it's true. Like I thought I was this really vulnerable person and in some ways I am. However, vulnerability, like you get to choose what you're vulnerable Mm -hmm. about. So even though I choose to talk about the fact that I get really easily defensive, to some people, they'd be like, wow, she's so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But like, that's actually not what makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for me, that's actually not that vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's so personal. And it's, it's also like, if you can like storytell your vulnerability, then yeah. it's coming from a place of like, <laughs> it's, it's like curated vulnerability. vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, it's a curated. Yeah. But and that's, so that's social media too. I Unfortunately, know. so much of it is a curated um, view of someone's day or their vulnerabilities yeah. or, the, or whatever they're, they're going through. I think that's like, I mean, are you asking if I curate my vulnerability? Yeah, or, um, or maybe if you, I think it's so subconscious. Or it's like, I think, I think it's like, until she said that, I was, I was yeah. totally unaware. Yeah, I always too. say, I was like, I thought vulnerability I is my superpower. Yeah. Like it's my biggest strength. And then she called me fake vulnerable. And I was like, I know. I don't. I know thought I'm, about it, and I was like, I, I think you're maybe right at some points. So now, each time I'm like open about something, I ask myself. It's like I feel like you need to be self aware of it, and then, like, you yeah, know. yeah. It's the first time I'm. I'd have to be because I also would categorize myself as like I am happy to be vulnerable, yes, and like share and cry and like. But I wonder if if I've ever. I don't know. I need to think about it. Some of the things I feel like I am vulnerable about. How about this? It's been so long. So if I have to really tap in to the emotion of, say, those days where I was yo-yo dieting and binge eating, because I feel like so disconnected Mm -hmm. from that time, if that makes sense. So it's easier for me to be vulnerable now about it because I'm in such a different place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Right. So it's like less, it's less charged. It's like lost its charge a bit. It's so less charged because I, right? Yeah. Like you've gotten I'm, comfortable with it. I'm so comfortable with talking about what I'd been through because I'm not, ex- like there's no You're not frustration around food or body yeah. image. Well, I'm going through body image with the pregnancy, but like in my non-pregnant state, I'm not, I'm very much feeling in a happy, yeah, healthy relationship with both. Well, that actually, so earlier we were discussing you know, you're kind of in this mode of seeking right now. Yeah. And do you think that that's brought on because of the pregnancy or what do you think is bringing that on right now? Or is that constant for you? I'm, I feel like that's I'm constant. I'm a constant seeker. Trip thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm a constant seeker. I think part of what I'm struggling with right now is I don't physically or mentally necessarily feel like my normal self. And I think that's just been brought on with pregnancy. You know, I think I'm physically, have, and everyone warned me like with the second pregnancy, physically I would be changing so much faster. It doesn't still make it easier. Yeah. And I think it's also what's funny is like I'm doing all the things, right? Like I'm I'm that I would be before. I I'm intuitively eating, I'm eating healthy, whole foods, I'm moving my body, yet physical changes are happening. So I was talking to my therapist about that. And 
I'm frustrated by my reaction to my body, yet I know I'm growing a human. Mm-hmm. Like I know like conceptually, of course, my body's going to change and I'm going to gain weight. This is pregnancy. But I think my frustration comes in with like, well, then why do I feel uncomfortable in my body or when I, or or frustrated that clothes aren't fitting or just like all of these little things that I think it brings up the emotion that I feel like I've already worked through from my early twenties. And I'm like, WTF, like I've been here, I've done this, I've worked through it. I've so frustrating. So why are these, this little voice in my head popping back up again? Like fuck off, you know, like completely. I'm not, (laughs) there's nothing worse than something that you feel like you've really focused on unpacking. And then life just comes and hits you with something. And you're like, why am I not handling this better? Yeah. And, but it is interesting. Like there's a part of you that intellectually can be like, well, I'm doing what my body's meant to be doing. I'm growing Mm -hmm. another human. Mm -hmm. But then there's this part of you that, and I say you like the proverbial you that's like, but I don't want this to be happening. And it's like holding on to something. I, I feel yeah. like that's so human though. We yeah, all have that. Yeah, it's very human. And also I truly believe like when you master, quote unquote, master something, it's like you master one level of it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you may have like mastered, mm-hmm. sorry to say this, but you may have that's mastered true. like your relationship with food as it comes to like intuitive eating and whatnot and body image level one. And like now with pregnancy, it's like, okay, this is like level two. Yeah. Or like, I'm sure you've had other levels of it in in your lifetime. But I always try to think about that because we're we're always like just up leveling. Yeah. Like once I master something and I'm, Jasmine and I are really into inner growth. Like it's constantly part of our days and routines. And I always feel like, okay, I've dealt with that. Now I have this issue. But then that thing comes back and I'm like, oh, like, why is this coming back? But then I'm like, okay, it's just another level of it. So this part may become more intense, but because I have the tools and the foundation from the first part, I know how to master this like second level and like thinking of as that versus like, yeah, I love that. I think that's a really good way to look at it. I also think, you know, it's the other great part of it. I think because of so much of what I'd gone through in my early 20s, and now what I'm feeling in pregnancy, being able to talk to women in a, vulner- a real vulnerable way of like, I know what it feels like to not feel good in my own, in your own skin. Like, yeah. I think that is a human female experience. And to be able to talk to that in a real genuine way, also around fitness, which brings up other things too. That for me is a, is a part of my superpower and being able to connect with my community yeah. in, a, in a real way. Yeah, I think that that's something in life I've actually experienced recently too is like sometimes the experiences that make me most uncomfortable and sometimes I'm not handling it that well or the people around me aren't responding the way I'd like them to. I end up in a later situation being able to show up as a better friend mm-hmm. or a better whatever, because I'm like, oh, I just went through this. Now I can actually really relate. And so if not anything else, that's a great way to look at it too, is like, it's useful because you're like, I've actually been there and I can relate to you now, you know, versus just speak at it from this intellectual conceptual place. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, while there are many days where I do not want to show up on camera in spandex, (laughs) I think I'm overusing the word powerful, but I think there is something about if you are following a program and you're following a structured, like, right, the Sculpt Society, like, you can see me going through 
pregnancy. And if you're following that, you're changing, I'm changing, my body's changing. And to feel like less alone because it can feel so lonely and isolating. You can feel like you're the only person going through this. And I think to know that like, okay, other people have gone through this and it's going to be okay is important. Yeah, it's important. That's why we started this podcast too, is to really like hold space for people going through different things. And I mean, you've held a lot of space for me, Megan. Like, I mean, I go through your workouts like week after week. I see your body changing. I see my body changing. But being able to have these conversations talking about mom shame and like not loving pregnancy or the breastfeeding and mom, like all the things like that, it's important to talk about and not hear just like the highlights because then that just gets ingrained in your brain and you think you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And there's also, I would assume like a comparative aspect. So if someone's like, I breastfed and it was the best thing ever and the weight fell off. And then someone who's like, I didn't like breastfeeding and I don't want to do that. And like, I think it's hard because we also internalize whether people intend to or not. Like, I'm sure many people have at some point said something totally innocently to me. And I'm like, I'm worse because I, you know, you have shame regardless. Like you internalize through your own lens and through your own insecurities. Yeah. Where do you want to go from here? We have a lot. Yeah. We we have some really great stuff in here. (laughs) One thing just before we ask the last question, like I know there's no such thing as balance in your household right now because just there's a lot going on. But what do you feel like maybe balance means for you? Hmm. Like it doesn't have to be like people always say like balance, like work-life balance. I can separate this and have time for myself. But maybe for you, it just means that you get to have your walk with Morgan in the morning, like getting your coffee or like just just maybe some rituals. Yeah. I think something that I started in the new year that my husband, and I think it's helpful when your partner is sort of on the same journey with you because I feel like recently my husband's really been delving into a lot of his belief systems and and trying to unlock some some stuff for himself. And I've always been curious about that side of myself. But to have your partner kind of going through his own personal journey, we have a lot more like reflective, interesting conversations, which I really love. But besides that, so in the new year, we, he decided he wanted to start getting up at 6 a.m. before Harlow gets up at 7. So I get up around 6 with him or 6.15. And I say that's easier just because there are the lights on and your partner's not sleeping. Mm-hmm. So every morning we get up early and we have our time to ourselves. Morgan makes coffee. I drink the coffee he makes <laughs> and um, he works out. I I meditate. And by meditate, I literally throw on a five to 10 minute meditation and yeah. then I journal. And I just have that moment to myself in the morning before the chaos of the day gets up going, aka my child getting up. And that has been really just a, a nice grounding ritual for myself and I know for my husband as well. Um, and then once we get Harlow up in the day going, if I'm not going live on the Sculpt Study app, my husband and I will go get coffee outside and go for a walk outside of the house. Because I think something that I noticed even starting in COVID, now fast forward three years, like working from home, there are days where I don't need to leave the house, like at all. You know, you can get everything delivered. I, I film out of my house, work Zoom calls. So just getting out of the house to go for a walk to grab coffee is just a nice ritual to have. Yeah. What do you think right now, because I know it can change, like what are you most excited or most proud of that's happening right now? And what are you struggling with most right now? 
I'm really proud of the company that we're building and the culture that we're building within the company and outside of the company and being able to provide. I think what we're doing is really different in the fitness space. It is really a positive place to be outside of so much diet culture noise. And I think that's really refreshing and we're pushing the boundaries there. Um, so I'm so excited for like the future of what is to come. I think I'm really just still struggling with that startup mindset of like needing to do it all to push every day. And I really am, I want to get to a place where I feel like I can take more breaks and, and, and feel more fulfilled in the moment, not when I'm achieving. Yeah. And especially while pregnant. Yeah. Like that's a big thing. Well, I just also want to say before we ask our last question, I think what's so beautiful about what you're building is that you had this really personal experience with your own body and with your own relationship to food. And so be able to like change that for people and it like feeds probably exactly into your ethos is so beautiful. And I applaud what you're doing. Thank you so much. We're very proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. And lucky to know you and honored that you're on this podcast. Thank you for coming. Um, So our last question, what's the point, Megan? Tell us. Oh gosh. I think the point is, I mean, also I did not prepare this answer. <laughs> I think the point goes back to what I'm struggling is how to feel fulfilled and just be. The point is to just be. I completely, I completely agree. agree. Preach. May we all be able to just be. Yeah, if not anything else, just be. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.